Welcome to the Music, Money, and Life podcast. This podcast is brought to you by HowToLicenseYourMusic.com. If you want to learn how to make money writing music for TV, films, and ads, visit HowToLicenseYourMusic.com today for a free video series all about how to write music specifically for use in TV shows, films, and commercials. Music, Money, and Life is the podcast that brings together the best minds in music licensing, music publishing, music marketing, and more together in one place. Learn how to license your music and market your music. Learn the latest cutting-edge techniques for getting your music heard and making money from your music. Learn directly from the musicians and industry insiders on the front lines of the music business. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review in iTunes. Every positive review helps us rise up the ranks in iTunes, gain more subscribers, and attract more and more great guests. And now, without further ado, here's today's podcast. All right, everybody, welcome to a, another a special episode of the Music, Money, and Life podcast. Today I'm speaking with a, a friend of mine, a, a fellow musician and singer-songwriter, somebody that I've known for, I think, like eight years now, right? Since, since like 2012 we mm-hmm. met. Speaking with Aaron Matthew, and we met in a little beach town in the Dominican Republic, a little tourist beach town famous for kite surfing, amongst other things, uh, Cabarete in the Dominican Republic, where we're both stuck on lockdown. We've been, we've been quarantined for the last, like, two months now. How long has it been? Something Since like March 17th. Yeah, it's been a crazy, uh, crazy couple months, and uh, we have kind of been chatting on Facebook lately. We haven't really seen each other a lot the last couple months. What has this whole experience been like for you? Like, like what... How have you been the last couple of months? Um, kind of like this, you know, up and down. Yeah. Up and down a lot. Um, yeah, it's been kind of up and down, man. Like some days you're really motivated and productive and you're energetic and you feel good. And then other days it's, it's quite difficult to wrap your mind around the global situation and the shutdown and you know, you're living in uncertain times. Nothing is really certain at the moment. Uh, and yeah. that's, that, that's, that's tough, man. It makes life tough. Um, so, you know, I've been able to go inside the studio and write and make more music and spend more time choosing. I have the privilege to be able to be free to, to do yoga and breathe and, you know, try to eat healthy and exercise. I, you know, I'm, I'm in that kind of situation where I have that opportunity to to go in because we can't go outside, we go inside. Um, yeah. But at the same time, at the same time, um, after we're going into three months here of being on a 5 p.m. curfew and it's, it's difficult, you know, but the best thing you can do is stay grounded, I guess. And that's kind of where I'm coming from, you know. So I've been, been writing and playing a lot of music, doing a lot of music and stuff, but at the same time, uh, trying not to get, uh, get too dull or rusty over here. Have you noticed any has there been sort of an upside to, to, to all of this? Like, have you, because from my perspective, the first couple of weeks in particular were very stressful. Like the, like when everything was starting and they closed the airport and nobody really knew what was going on. I remember being like really stressed about everything. And then once I realized it's, you know, the situation is out of my hands, there, there's nothing I can do to open the airports. There's nothing I can do to change the fact that there's a 5 p.m. curfew. I sort of accept, I sort of embraced it and uh, have had a very productive period. Have, have you, have you noticed sort of an upside to all of this? 
Yeah, I think the same thing, man. I've definitely been more productive on my side. Um, I've just had more time to create, to be creative. And it's kind of difficult to be creative when you're under a lot of stress. And yeah, the first, the first initial month of this is really stressful because nobody knows what's going on. All of a sudden, you can't come in or out. And then what's the situation? And uh, I mean, it's quite difficult. But I think, yeah, definitely like the upside, like we mentioned, is that you get more time to to create and more time to go in. And I think an upside is that more people have time now than ever to uh, ask questions that they haven't asked themselves before, explore parts of themselves and their, and their psychology and their personality that perhaps they haven't explored before. And even more begin to explore more of the information and question the establishment uh, narratives and all of this confusing things out there. I mean, in the middle of this, while we're locked down on this island, the United States Pentagon confirmed that they're tracking UFOs and they say they don't know what they are. I mean, nobody just, nobody even cared. I just like, that just went down in the headlines all of a sudden. So it's not, it's, it's crazy to imagine uh, having all this time on your hands. And, uh, you know, some people are beginning to, to take that time and become a little bit more illuminated about themselves and about the world. And it's, brings up a lot more questions than anything, but I think that's an upside is that uh, there's, there's more people asking important questions, not only for themselves, but as a society. Yeah. And it, it, you know, like I, I said, before we started recording this, I don't want to dive too deep into the quote unquote conspiracy stuff just because it's a very divisive issue and I don't know a lot about it, but I, like a lot of other people, have, have – I mean, I think a lot of people have probably a combination of things. Probably, A, the fact that we have so much more extra time inside and we have access to the internet. A lot of people are questioning things, and it does seem to be a very confusing time. And uh, I'm sure you've seen the movie Plandemic that, that went viral and people were talking about on social media and stuff. Um my mom, of all people, sent me that video. My mom's a medical doctor. She's an anesthesiologist. And so I thought, well, she's a fairly credible person. Like, if, if she's interested in this topic, I'll check it out. And so I checked it out. And and then it was deleted from YouTube. And I didn't really even mention it on social media until it was deleted from YouTube. And then it made me pay more attention to it. So... I don't really have a lot of thoughts on that particular documentary because I know it's since been debunked and then I've seen people debunk the debunking. And I, I guess a lot of the, the, the difficulty with a lot of this information is it, it gets very time intensive to try to dive into it and then look at all the different citations and look at where the different articles came from and who they were funded by and on and on and on. And, and you can spend a lot of time diving into this. Um, with all that said, because I know you, you research this stuff, what do you think, and I know nobody really knows, but what do you think is going on? Like, what, what's, what's behind all of this? Who knows, man? Um, I think that there's definitely a, a virus, a novel virus that all of us are going to have to encounter at some point, uh, something new to our immunological systems. Um, at the same time, everything that's going on with the conflicting data, the conflicting uh, 
officials. The, uh, we look to authorities for our information, but we have conflicting authorities. We have Nobel Prize winners uh, being debunked about what they're saying about the virus. We have um, medical doctors conducting uh, extensive field research through, through their testing and analyzing uh, official authoritative data from WHO and CDC that are getting censored and banned. We have, I mean, now is the time where we're seeing uh, infighting in the in the medical community between uh, professionals and the gatekeepers of those professions, um, the associations and the societies. And so we're seeing all of the and the average person. I mean, we're we're in the middle of some really crazy global activities and my perspective is that we're only able to see the surface and there's i mean i think world war three probably began quite a while ago honestly i think there's it's, i don't think i don't think it's i don't think it's bombs and planes and ships and tanks it's viruses it's information it's counterintelligence it's psychological operations it's so much different than than what, what, you, what we might think. But I mean, we're not gonna dive so deep into that, but I think that on the face value of this, yes, there's a novel virus that we have to rationally approach how we're going to manage as a global collective on many different levels. And at the same time, I think more people are realizing that the veil of illusion is, is more easy to see through but once you kind of see through the establishment narrative, and that's a very broad term, that there's so much to digest that there's no way to really assess the yeah, big... I, exactly. I, th I think that's the bottom line for so many people. I mean, I had a conversation with my mom who, again, you know, works in, in the medical field. She's an anesthesiologist. She works with doctors, and, and, you know, we had a private conversation, and she said, you know, a lot of doctors are starting... Just to question all of this, because there's a lot of things going on that just don't make sense. But I asked her, I'm like, what What do you think is going on? And she's like, I honestly, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I think I think people can see that there's so so much about this that doesn't make sense. And the there's just a lot of questions. Right. So, you know, I don't think it's a conspiracy to say that a lot of people are asking questions. And most people that I talk to. uh most people seem to have a sense that there's there's something going there's something bigger going on than than just what we see and so, i think that's so an no, upside that's an upside to that's one of the we're talking about what may be an upside to being stuck here on this island and and yeah just you know seeing on a on a on a larger scale that more people are starting to look through the veil and although we may not be able to simulate a a, a working a working theory or working speculation of of all of the interconnected global events and geopolitics, it's fun. It's fun to to do so. I'm really more into the historical research leading up to contemporary global events because that really sets the context of yeah. what's happening now. Uh, as I was talking yeah. to you earlier, before I'm working on a, a video project to to go back all the way to. Uh, around the end of World War II to start there uh, with, with something. And I, you know, we'll, we can discuss that more uh, uh, later, but um, I really think that in order to have the context to try to assimilate any understanding of 
like some kind of glo the, the global situation, you really have to go back to the end of World War II and, and relearn at least 75 years of history um, through the historical record and, and, and what, what that entails and you know, things like that. So I'm, I'm working on a project like that. Yeah, well, I'll be interested to to check it out when you finish it. I mean, yeah, there's there's just an overwhelming amount of information to sort through, and like you said, it it is sort of in an odd way. Conspiracy theories are sort of fun. Like it's just sort of interesting to look into what could be happening, but they're hard to prove, and they seem to be be very div divisive. I, I I mean, I'm sure you've noticed this on on social media. It seems like. In particular, in the United States, where where we're from, it seems there seems to be very two distinct factions, and they seem to be oddly split down party lines. Like it, it almost seems like if you're on the left, you, and I'm generalizing, certainly not everybody, but it seems like in general, if you're on the left, you you sort of are applauding. You know, where I'm from in Chicago, Illinois, California, Michigan, all these states are extending their lockdowns, and we seem to have. I wouldn't say unanimous support, but but a lot of support from their constituents. And then it seems like if, if you're on the right, you want to go back to work and you want to stop the lockdowns. And it's just strange to me how how divided the country is. What do you think about the political aspect of things? And I'm very much in the middle, by the way. So I feel like I, I can look at things fairly objectively. I'm not really right or left. I'm very sort of middle of the road. Well, I've known you for eight years. I know that you're very much neutral. <laughs> I'm really apolitical, to be honest. I'm just not a very political person, but I'm becoming more so, you know, as a result of a lot of things happening in the in the world. Hmm. Um. Honestly, I don't know. It was in it was in our lifetime that, you know, this is in regards to the United States. We're both from the United States, so kind of speaking to that kind of that society and that that culture. Uh, in this and that we today's youth 20s and early 30s let's say even younger than that they get their news from comedians and they get their science from politicians or politically based organizations like the IPCC I mean you we don't, nothing is, nothing is straightforward. Everything is through gatekeepers, especially science. I just published on uh, my new, my new blog, um, one of my, and uh, speaking about one of my favorite scientists, and he just released a new interview the other day. His name is Dr. Rupert Sheldrake, and he released a, a TED Talk. There's a banned TED Talk. It was removed from their official channels, their website, and their YouTube channel uh, due to backlash from the scientific community. But his his, his lecture on TED Talk was based on his book called The, uh, the Science Delusion. And it's not anti-science. It, it shows and, dem and demonstrates in a structured way how uh, through, through these gatekeepers that, that science has become nothing more than a politicized dogma and that it's, it's suppressing the progress of science through controlling narratives, through controlled funding, through controlling the, the information and what is acceptable and not acceptable. And where where the where the parameters of of debate can and and contention can happen, and the fact that his TED talk was censored, was removed, was banned, I think speaks volumes to that fact. Yeah, the censorship on YouTube and Facebook and um, Twitter, a lot of the the big tech companies, 
is really troubling, right? Because to me, the great thing about the internet is potentially this free flow of information where everybody can, can sort of throw their hat in the ring. Everybody gets a voice. Ideally, and the public can look at all the information and, and sort of draw their own conclusions. But when you start censoring people and removing videos, like I just find it very troubling. Of course, they're doing it under the guise of you know, stopping misinformation and public safety. But it just seems like it just seems like if these people are essentially just crazy, loony people with crazy theories, why not just let them kind of have speak their voice? I find it very troubling. Yeah. Um, well, the concept of misinformation and disinformation and informational warfare is is not new. Our technology and our technological advancements and our social media platforms only have amplified those concepts. And what's one thing I enjoy about really going into the historical record because it really gives you a glimpse through, especially through the creation of the CIA, the KGB, and, and how does a, a, a regulatory body or an intelligence body or a governing body or any organization control a, a narrative or how do they put out a narrative that they want to be perceived? And you get so many these camp types of campaigns you get, well, here's the, here's the official narrative and the truth. And here's a couple falsehoods in there. Well, here is a bunch of falsehoods and misinformation and disinformations with a few pieces of truth in now here you got those two things. You got official narratives, you got conspiracy fringe narratives, then you got debunkers come in and they can do the same thing. They can throw pieces of disinformation and with truth and misinformation. And then the debunker of the debunker, the same thing. And then I've just, I really discovered this in, in this, in this project that I'm working on trying to just source who publishes what and who is saying what, when, where um, you find that there's this, there's, there's this collective of, uh, uh, of interconnected intertwining narratives but everything is, is so mixed up, it's, it's hard to discern and, and, and to find out the, the truth. But there's a reason behind that. It's to control a particular narrative and to quiet all others. And you have to ask, what is that narrative and why and who wants that to be said? And, that, and that's, you know, when you get into try to understand why would a disinfo- why is it so hard to discern the truth in today's moment? Nobody knows what to believe in today's society. And I, I think that's by design in many ways. That's, I mean, that's my perspective. We, we weren't going to talk about. Um, that's okay. We, we, we've gone there. So, so we might as well not backpedal. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's all good. We're just having a free flowing conversation. I don't want to, I don't want to censor you. I don't want to censor us. Um, yeah, no, it's really hard to get to the truth. And especially in the context of something like the coronavirus, because a lot of it is dealing with science and, and, and peer-reviewed studies and multiple studies that are contradicting each other. And when you're looking at it as a layman, somebody like myself who isn't trained in science, I don't really know how to uh, tease apart scientific studies necessarily. Um, it gets very confusing, but I'll give you a really good example. I got into a debate on Facebook with a, f- a friend of mine, a girl who I met in Nicaragua a few, a few years ago, who is an actual scientist. And I, I alluded to the possibility that the coronavirus could have been created in a lab because there, there is a lab where they were studying coronaviruses in Wuhan, coincidentally, or, or, or not. Um, so 
I said I made some sort of a, a reference to that on Facebook, and she very defensively came back at with came back at me with, you know, the entire scientific community has debunked this. It's absolutely definitively not possible that it was created in the lab, and um, so I was just like, really, it's interesting because you know I listened to a talk with a French vi- virologist who who said it definitively was created in the lab and she's like well who was it and i'm like let me check I, because i didn't that won the nobel prize yeah yeah well and i didn't even realize that at the time but i, I googled him and i'm like well it was the guy who discovered hiv and won a nobel prize for it like is is it, so in other words who who is qualified enough to speak to these issues and it seems like in science it's it's when there's a consensus then you you don't want to go against that grain and look for the record she could be absolutely right because I really don't know. And that's what I told her. I'm like, look, I don't know. I'm just a guitar player. Like I'm just looking at this as, as I'm just putting two and two together. There's a lab there. They were studying coronavirus right around the time that this thing started. Doesn't seem like that big of a stretch that it could have come from the, this lab. Here's what I'll say. Here's what uh, I would, I would ask her and anyone with that perspective really is that since when has science been a democracy we don't vote for uh, the scientific fact. We don't vote for gravity. Oh, well, consensus is that, you know, it, that's not how it works. We question uh, our hypothesis and we, and we try to disprove uh, the theory. And if you can't disprove it, if, if, if nobody continually cannot disprove it, then we have to begin to assimilate that understanding into uh, our observations and the rest of our data and that data set. But, but now, understanding scientifically specifically because now our science is politics science isn't just science science is politics i guess um nobody nobody we have a severe lack of critical discernment and critical thinking and ability to uh, incorporate new types of data because we're letting other and we've given so much of our power and authority and trust into authoritative institutions and this concept that's that science is so then academia is uncorruptible and, and, and so pure. I think that's quite, I think it's quite naive. And I think, I think that uh, I'm pro-science, totally pro-science. I believe in the scientific method. I love science as one of my favorite interests. Um, but I think it's, it's, science is not a democracy. And I think it's naive to assume that academia and organizations therein are not susceptible to inadequacies and failures and corruption and censorship in ways that it need not be. I, I, we, I mean, we don't need to go into 20 minute discussion through big pharma and, and all these, all these things of, uh, and, and the government related with the FDA and everything that's been exposed over the past decades that just gets swept under the rug. Um, this isn't like the first time we've ever questioned the, the authenticity and the truth behind uh, our academia. Um, that doesn't, they shouldn't disqualify. I mean, people will automatically say that if you want to open up the economy right now, you're anti-science and you're probably a racist. Like that's how politicized the divide and conquer tactics have, have developed with us. So yeah, I, yeah. To, to conclude that, I know you got, I know you got only a couple more minutes here with me, but uh, to, to just summarize that, like definitely pro science, but let science be science, you know, let, let's not politicize it and recognize that, Perhaps our academia and institutions, WHO, <clears throat> who have been very inconsistent on, on this entire thing. On this who's, the fact, thing. who's the fact checkers of the fact checkers of the fact checkers 
the gatekeepers of the gatekeepers. And I, and I would say that the onus is on the individual. And at that point, we, we have to really reorganize ourselves um, around, around new paradigms of society. And that's, I think that's what, we're, that's what we're dealing with here on lockdown is, is, a, is a big paradigm shift of every aspect of our world. Well, very interesting times for, for sure. I mean, like I said, in a lot of ways, it, in a lot of ways on an individual level, the last couple of months have been oddly sort of positive for me. Like I've tried my best to turn a negative situation into a positive, so it hasn't been all bad, but but a lot of uncertainty is still looming. We'll, we'll see th- how things play out. It's uh, at the very least a very interesting time to be alive. Um Things seem to be going somewhat back to normal in the States. So we'll, we'll see what happens, see what happens over the next couple of months. But listen, let's do this. Let's wrap up. Um, I want to tell people where they can learn more about you and Aaron, in addition to being a musician and songwriter. You also have a blog where you write about cannabis and conspiracy theories and you, you do videos about a lot of these topics. What is your, where can people learn about that? Yeah, so everybody, you can find me at AaronMatthewMusic.org, A-A-R-O-N-M-A-T-T-H-E-W, music.org. Uh, and yeah, I've, like Aaron Davison said, I just launched a new um, uh, vlog slash blog slash developing podcast called Cannabis Consciousness and Conspiracies, Three Cs. And it's really, I really dive into a lot of these topics from a rational perspective and from my perspective. And as well, I've got uh, music and albums and other types of information out there and videos regularly and uh, things like this. I have interactive live streams available. You can go check all that stuff out. And I really appreciate you having me on your podcast, Aaron Davis. This is my first podcast with anybody. And I'm honored that it's with you, uh, my dear friend from so many years now here in Cabarete. I appreciate you taking the time to do this with me. Well, it was my pleasure and what I would like to do. So Aaron sent me a song a couple of days ago, a new song uh, that I really liked. Um, one of my favorite songs of yours that I've heard, it's called Dance of Destruction. Is that what it's called? Dance to the Destruction. So we'll end the podcast w- with that song. Is that available on your website or YouTube or? So, you know, I sent this to you to get some feedback. I just finished it. Uh, couple days ago actually here in the studio so what you're going to hear is uh is just a mix uh it's not a master version um and it's not actually available anywhere yet i haven't even made it available to my patreons or my website members or anything like that so uh, but it will become available soon uh, accordingly and it'll be released worldwide later this year well i hope you don't mind me sharing it i thought the lyrics were very relevant and and timely to a lot of the things we discussed today so i thought it would fit in really well with the podcast so dance to the destruction aaron matthew go check him out on his website check him out on youtube support him become a patreon member and uh hang tight everybody with everything that's going on and we will talk to you soon bless Everything will be good.
everybody grooving Do you not see just what they're doing? This illusion is confusing Feeling like a fool and the noose won't loosen It's useless to fight with facts Despite the fact that we're under attack About the master plan, it's disaster man Can't you understand the pandemic was planned By the globalist cabal to keep us under the thumb They think that people are dumb They covered history up But the earth is one and another time is coming And we're gonna stay strong Dance to the Dance to the destruction.